if Clint Kubiak's up in the booth, you need to be on the headset saying, hey, Clint, call your best run here. And this is the whole point about being the head coach and managing the game, right, John? You have final say over everything. So you can still call plays. And you could say, Clint, we're doing this. We're not throwing it here. We need to run the clock. And then you grab Russell and say, hey, Russell, if you check into a pass, then take a sack or complete the pass. Do not throw an incompletion. We can't have the clock stopping. Don't throw it out of bounds. We've been calling for Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett to give up play calling and focus on his game management. He finally does it. Did it help him? Uh, Not so much. We'll get into that here throughout the show. But first and foremost... It's the Broncos Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here joined by John Heath. John is the managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire. John, how you doing on this holiday week? Yeah, I'm doing good. This is coming out Thursday. So happy Thanksgiving, Ryan, to you and your family. And happy Thanksgiving to every Broncos fans for tuning in. Thank you guys for tuning in. Even when the Broncos are having a dismal season, I'm thankful for the, the Broncos fans that read Broncos Wire and listen to the pod. And for you too, Ryan, for doing this podcast with me. Yeah, I I always enjoy doing the show with you, John. I actually look forward to it, although this was not the season we expected at all. Uh, it's still been a really fun season to come on and yell about Nathaniel Hackett and yell about <laughs> Melvin Gordon or whatever is going on with the Broncos. And, oh, look, those those two names are going to be prominent topics on our <laughs> list for this show, right? So some things never, never change. The Broncos are the gift that keeps on giving in terms of content. We just wish there was more wins to go with that content, John. We wish we were talking about playoff positioning and and all that this year. Obviously not the case, but let's jump right into the show here. Uh, And we're starting with our new play caller. Finally, you know, between last week's show and this show, the Broncos came to their senses. I should say Nathaniel Hackett uh, put his foot down, John, and handed over the uh, play calling to Clint Kubiak. And obviously Kubiak, he had done it before. He was the offensive coordinator with the Vikings just Nathaniel Hackett giving up the play sheet. Uh, Clint Kubiak calls the plays. John, just tell me what you saw watching the game. What was different? I know we were all paying attention to it, but what did, what did you see when you were breaking down this game uh, for Broncos Wire? Like, what was better and what should continue going forward? Do you think this should continue? Before even getting into the game, just going to the decision real quick, I thought it was very interesting that Clint Kubiak is who Nathaniel Hackett picked to call plays instead of his own offensive coordinator, it's Justin telling, Allen, right? the guy he yep. hired to be offensive coordinator. And when, when I think back to when they hired Hackett right away, he tried to hire like, I think it was two or three Packers assistants that he wanted as offensive coordinator and the Packers blocked them and gave them a promotion. And at least one of them went somewhere else and got a promotion anyway. Uh, but out in like not to dump on him, but he was like the Broncos third choice offensive coordinator. He was like a tight ends coach. And with Hackett calling the plays like he, he was kind of it seems like I don't I don't I don't want to uh, uh, downplay his role too, too much. But I, I kind of got the impression that like out is Hackett's buddy. Hackett's the ones calling the plays. Alden gets to be an offensive coordinator in part because he's Hackett's buddy. And then when it comes down to when Hackett, like you said, finally admits that his play calling is not good enough and he doesn't even give it to the guy he made an offensive coordinator, that just makes me think, okay, yeah, like we've talked all season about Hackett not being qualified to be the head coach. Like 
is Alden qualified to be the offensive coordinator? And like, if Hackett gets fired at the end of the season, you, I cannot imagine Alden being brought back. I mean, that's just typical when a coach gets fired. A lot of times, almost all, if not all, of their coaching staff goes gets fired with them. But I, I just, I thought that was not a great sign for their offensive coordinator that he wants an even uh, pick to call plays. And I know that part of it is that Kubiak has experience calling plays and Alden Dunson because he was just a tight ends coach. But, I mean, Kubiak himself, he only had one season of calling plays last year as an offensive coordinator with the Vikings. But anyway, all that preamble aside, when going into the game, I was thinking like, oh, man, the Kubiak offense, they're going to put Russell Wilson under center. They're going to do bootlegs. They're going to go rollouts. They're going to get Wilson in space, getting moving, which is what I've wanted to see so much more from him this season than we have. And I was a little disappointed that we didn't see more of that. There was still a lot of shot, shotgun. There really wasn't bootlegs. There wasn't much rolling out. But I thought the play calling was good and sharp, and it was manageable, kind of like what you were calling for last week. Like, you don't have to go deep all the time. Just get us manageable plays and move down the field. And early in the game, they did that. Tw- twice, they marched down. They got a touchdown. They marched down. They got a field goal. And then they marched down again. And on third and one, Melvin Gordon fumbles. And thankfully, they recover it. But they could have picked up that third and one, and they were marching. They could have scored a touchdown there. And instead, they lose yards. They try to kick a field goal, and the field goal is blocked. So that that play was huge. Uh, that play honestly may have decided the game. And so, but before that, that's like three drives Kubiak led. It should have all three been scoring drives, and at least two of them really looked promising for touchdowns. And then in the third quarter, it was like, Every other Broncos game, like a new play caller, same result. The third quarter, they were just terrible. And then the fourth quarter, they got things going a little bit. But it certainly wasn't perfect at all. And it wasn't quite as good as I was hoping it'd be. Because like I said, I was hoping they'd do more under center. I was hoping we'd see some bootlegs. Like I was imagining like the Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan offense, like like kind of what you see with the 49ers, I guess. And we didn't really get that. But I still think it was better than what we've seen uh, earlier this season with Hackett calling the plays. And I think uh, Kubiak, he deserves to get a shot to keep doing it. Even, even if it's only a little bit better, I mean, everything helps. And Hackett said this week that uh, Kubiak is going to continue calling the plays. So I think that's the right decision. Hackett certainly cannot take the play sheet back. That's not happening. He's <laughs> We got to see a sample size with Kubiak and assess it, right? And I think, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think one thing that was noticeable was the ball was coming out of Wilson's hands quicker. Uh, and, and they schemed that up early, at least early in the game, the stuff they scripted early in the game, uh, the offense was moving. And I thought that was a good sign, but just going back to your preamble, I thought that commentary was very fair, John, very fair, very fair. Like we we talked about that too. Like Justin Outen, who is this guy, the former Packers tight ends coach. And it just felt like a safe hire for your offensive coordinator. Who's not going to push back too much. And you can just, be the head coach and have your underlings and maybe your buddies or whatever, right? Just seemed like a, a safe choice for offensive coordinator. I don't know. Maybe I'd be an a-hole as usual, John, but it just felt, I don't know. It, it was a kind of a weird uh, hire, uh, but made sense because it was a Packer, former Packers coach. And yeah, it is telling yeah. that Kubiak got the call. And, and why wasn't he running stuff that seems tailor-made for Russell Wilson? Well, I guess it's probably because, John, we're still running Nathaniel Hackett's offense, right? We're still running the old <laughs> yeah. Packer offense. And it's just not really fitting with Russell Wilson. Again, we've said this multiple times. It probably looked better with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Unfortunately, it's not looking great with Russell Wilson. It was a little bit better at times in this game. I want to see more Clint Kubiak. And I think another piece of this is 
what I've been ranting about for weeks and weeks and weeks, John. Well, what was it, week two or three? I was ranting about this, right? <laughs> Give up the play sheet, hack it. Uh, you know, like, no, I mean, honestly, I think it was October, early October. We were really talking about this. They got to take away the play sheet because I want to see Hackett manage the game. I want to see if he can manage it without having all these other things he's trying to figure out. Like, what play should we be in? Like, give away the play sheet to your offensive coordinator, manage the situations. And I just don't... Well, he told us, John, that he put his foot down and gave away the play sheet, which I thought was kind of a funny way to put it. He said, you know, when we were in that Tennessee game... He put his foot down on himself. Yeah, exactly. He put his foot down on himself, (laughs) did what George Payton wouldn't do, John, and took the play sheet from himself and handed it to Clint Kubiak. I thought that was funny. He said, like... We were in that Tennessee game. It just didn't feel right. That's why I really kind of put my foot down and decided to kind of make it move over to Clint. So whatever. Uh, So, okay, fine. We're all happy you did that. It took way too long, but fine, you did it. So now let's see you manage the game and help the Broncos figure out how to win these close games. You you talked about it last week, John. If you scored 18 points every game, the Broncos would be, what, 8-1, and 9-1 now? Yeah. They would have won this game too. Yeah. Yeah. So just can you manage the end of the game a little bit better? And we'd probably be a winning football team right now. But that didn't happen either. There were a couple instances. The most glaring, I thought, came right at the two-minute warning on third and 10 from your own 34. You're up by a field goal. You're coming out of this two-minute warning again. The Raiders are out of timeouts. And the Broncos not only call a pass play, but chuck it out of bounds. Right, Russell Wilson chucks it out of bounds. And you give the Raiders an extra, what, 40 seconds. They end up with plenty of time. It was over a minute 40 for them to go down and get that game-tying a field goal to force overtime. We all know what happens after that. And it's like, all right, I have some bones to pick with this one, John. I know you have a bone to pick too with something else that happened in the ball game with um, a penalty that the Broncos accepted instead of, instead of declining. Hackett, maybe it's a little bit too hot takey to say he's throwing people under the bus, but here's what he said about when he was asked about that third down where they threw the ball out of bounds and saved a bunch of time for the Raiders who were out of timeouts again. He said, quote, we call the pass. You got to keep the clock running. One way or the other, you just want to be sure the clock is running. But if something happened in the pocket, that's one of those situations where you could take a sack or even just run the ball. Obviously, we want the clock running in that situation. So that's kind of a roundabout way of Hackett kind of dissing his quarterback, saying, just just take the sack, Russ. What are you doing? Or dissing Clint Kubiak, saying, we could have called a run, you know. <laughs> and it's just like all of this, though, comes back to you, Nathaniel. You're the head coach. This is the whole point. This is why we wanted you to hand over play calling because – we need you to manage this situation. We need you to be on the headset during the two-minute warning break, John. If Clint Kubiak's up in the booth, you need to be on the headset saying, hey, Clint, call your best run here. And this is the whole point about being the head coach and managing the game, right, John? You have final say over everything. So you can still call plays. And you could say, Clint, we're doing this. We're not throwing it here. We need to run the clock. And then you grab Russell and say, hey, Russell, if you check into a pass, then take a sack or complete the pass. Do not throw an incompletion. We can't have the clock stopping. Don't throw it out of bounds. Like, this is what we're talking about. You have to manage that situation. And Hackett keeps showing us time and time again, John, whether he's calling the plays or not, that he can't do it. So it's just so frustrating, man. And I think that one play kind of just emphasizes and illustrates it all. But I know you had another play, right? The There was a situation on defense where they accepted a penalty when they shouldn't have, right? And then we could just we could probably pick out a bunch of situations where it's like, man, Hackett is just blowing these situations over and over. It's so frustrating. Yeah, the two-minute warning one, I agree with you that they should have called a run play, but I, I think it's on both of them. I think it's on Hackett and it's on Wilson because 
I agree. You run the ball there, but if you are going to pass it, like you said, make sure you very clearly communicate to Russell Wilson, hey, a sack here is better than an incompletion, or hey, like running for two yards, that's better than an incompletion. Like whatever you do, don't like – Either they didn't communicate that well to Wilson, which would be on the coaches, or they did say that to Wilson and he still did that. And that's on Wilson. Like that is just inexcusable mistake from an 11th year quarterback. So I I agree with you, Hackett. He's got to do a better job getting the team in the right situation in that scenario. And Wilson, he's got to do a better job executing it. So I should know too, right, John? Russell should know as well not to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it falls on both of them. And then, like you said, there were other instances where Hackett, it's like, okay, you you talked about earlier this season on the podcast, like Hackett, you don't have to be the play caller. You can hand over play calling duties, and that will allow you to manage the game better, manage the clock better, manage the personnel better, just be a head coach like so many head coaches are across the NFL who don't call plays. They're just an overall game manager. And we thought if he gives up play calling – Maybe he can focus just on that game management and be better at it because he was so bad at it earlier this year. Yes. But like you said, it's still once in any good. He made that poor decision there. And then, as you referenced, there was a time when they're on defense and they they got a big negative play. They put the Raiders back seven yards and there was a penalty. And if the Broncos accepted the penalty, the Raiders would be looking at first and 20 and if the Broncos declined the penalty, the Broncos would, or the Raiders would be looking at second and 17. So you could either uh, gain three yards and give them a down, or you can make them lose a down and have them have three fewer yards, but still be 17 yards is still a huge chunk to go. And Hackett picked first and 20 instead of second and 17, which like when you're facing a 20 yards to a first down, like, yeah, you would take a three yard gain in exchange for a down every time. Because if they do three, 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 they're going to have to punt on fourth down. So it's just it's just like think about the math hack hit. Like 20 20 is longer than 17. Like Think about your own offense, all these third and longs that you've been in and how hard it's been to get out of these third and longs. And everybody asks about why the offense isn't better. He keeps bringing up, well, when we get in third and long, we got to get more manageable third downs. It's like you had a perfect opportunity to put the Raiders in a hole, give them a long third down, and instead you picked like three more yards. It's like three more yards is not worth a down in that situation. So it's just it's frustrating because even with giving up play calling, his game management is just incompetent. And then like – like, like, I like Hackett. I like him as a guy. It seems like players like him. Like, probably right now they're frustrated because the team's awful. But just in general, it seems like he's a, a good players coach. But his he's just not cut out to be a head coach. You said very early in the season that he's in over his head. And that's so clear. And I just – I can't see him coming back next season. I think since he's made it this far and they haven't fired him, I don't think they're going to fire him during the season – but I just can't picture a scenario right now where he's the coach in 2023. Yeah, sorry about that earlier, John. I didn't mean to talk over you. But yeah, uh, I think Nathaniel's like, hey, guys, 20, 20 yards over 17. Let's go. Yeah, 20 yards. Like, no, no, dude, just calm down. Think about the just think it's so obvious. It's just so obvious that they know what the right decision is. What are you doing, man? Yeah, we've been over it, right, John? We've been over it and over it. Hack it. He finally surrendered the play calling, but I can't stand here and give him credit because I think it happened way too late in the game here. The seasons were already it's already over for the Broncos, right? Meanwhile, his game management obviously has not improved for all the reasons we just said. 
And he's got to be, he's got to be one and done, man. We all see the writing on the wall. You have to think George Payton sees it. We have at the end of the season, you have to think they're going to move on from this coach. <laughs> like it's just, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, so we could continue to beat that horse, but oh, man, you just, you just have to think George Payton sees it. I agree with you. It's, you got to move on from him at the end of the season. It's just, it, it is what it is. There's too many good young candidates out there. Maybe your own defensive coordinator uh, uh, is, is a candidate. I don't know, but speaking of the defense, John, so the offense, you know, they could have scored 18 and one again, so we can't nitpick the defense too bad, but you had some beef with the defense last week and you have a little bit more beef with them this week, John. So go ahead, go, go get the defense. What'd they do wrong this time? Yeah. I mean, just like in week four, Josh Jacobs ran all over them. And this year uh, or this week, they let Josh Jacobs run over them again. And the Raiders, they did not have their talented slot receiver. They do not have their star tight end. So literally the two weapons they have is Josh Jacobs, a running back and Devontae Adams, their star wide receiver, two guys you got to account for. And the Broncos literally the only two they did not account for is the two guys that you have to Josh Jacobs ran all over them and Adams burned them for two touchdowns, including the game winner. And like, I've been hyping up Pat Sertan. We've both been hyping up Pat Sertan. He's having a phenomenal year. I think he's one of the best corners in the NFL, but I think that may have been his worst game as a pro, but going into this in what previous seven, eight games, he hadn't allowed a single touchdown. He was on Adams both times that Adams scored in this game and both times it kind of seemed like he was expecting more safety help, but like you can't put it uh, solely on the safety, especially when it seemed like it was Sertan's man. And on the second one, he even admitted that he got turned around and, and Adams got him on that one. And it's like, I'm not worried about Sertan. I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to learn from this. I think he's, he's a great corner and going forward, I have no concerns on about him, but it's just, it's frustrating that uh, the defense, like, the, yeah, the offense, we know the offense is terrible. And, yeah, the offense can't score 18 points. But the defense, which is supposed to be your strength in this game, they let the Raiders do exactly what they want to do, run the ball with Josh Jacobs, feed the ball to Devontae Adams, didn't, didn't try to feed anyone else. It was just the Adams show, and he made the Broncos pay, and they just couldn't stop it. So, like you said, Evero – He's already being named as a potential head coach candidate for 2023. And overall, I think he's done a phenomenal job. But these last two weeks, uh, blowing 10-point leads, like it, it certainly hasn't been perfect. Like The defense is not without excuse. No, I think, you know, Pat Sertan's going to be fine. I'm with you, John. I'm not worried about him. When you face the Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs of the world, you're going to give up some plays. I think what was disappointed is like, it takes it takes more than Sertan. Like, give him some help. It's Devontae Adams. They don't have anybody else. Darren Waller's still in the IR. Who else are they throwing to? It's covered, yeah. Cover freaking Adams, man. Come on, give him some help. So, yeah, I think getting roasted by Devontae Adams over and over again is, is super frustrating. I I totally get it. So, yeah, everyone's in the crosshairs. And, oh, no, not to mention, even when the offense starts hot, John, they still can't get to 18. It's like, come come on. You know what I mean? Like, why can't we get to that freaking number? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. They did beat their season average there by like go. two points. We'll take whatever win we can get. It's not a huge improvement. Yeah, that's what whatever win we can get, we're taking at this point. Can they get to 18 points against the Panthers? It'll probably be enough to win if they do. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about that here coming up next. But for, we obviously have to say bye to Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is, has left the building. We're going to talk about that here coming up next. But first, let's get some fantasy advice from the huddle.com. 
This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number 12. Washington Commanders quarterback Taylor Heineke versus the Atlanta Falcons. Heineke hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in the last two games, and he's a tough sell for fantasy lineups with all 32 teams on the slate this week. This one is a low-volume outlook, and it may wind up being the best for DFS contests of the showdown variety. But he has plenty of weapons and should play a little freer without Carson Wentz lurking over his shoulder. Atlanta has given up an average of 23.1 fantasy points per game since week 6, and 8 passers have posted at least 21 points on the year. And with 3 touchdowns against from quarterbacks on the ground, there's even hope for a rushing touchdown. Miami Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert versus the Houston Texans. Prior to the week 11 bye, Mostert scored in consecutive games but has seen his workload kneecapped by the arrival of Jeff Wilson. The backfield will continue to split reps and against the weakest run defense in the league, it's reasonable to expect both backs to be viable in fantasy. The caveat here is Mostert is just barely useful even with a touchdown, so expect nothing of note if he somehow manages not to score. It's a good thing Houston is truly that bad on the ground. Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Paris Campbell versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has played well regardless of the quarterback since week 5, and in the last 6 games Campbell has 4 outings with at least 11.7 points in PPR, and 5 outings of borderline flex or better returns. He has 3 scores in that time frame and draws the Steelers defense that has permitted the most fantasy points on the year to the position. Most of the damage has come from 14 touchdowns allowed, which ties for the most in the NFL. This matchup is nearly 26% better than average, and Campbell should become the 17th receiver to score at least 10 PPR points against Pittsburgh. Buffalo Bills tight end Dawson Knox at the Detroit Lions. Last game was the first game Knox managed to record double-digit PPR points, 14, without scoring a touchdown in a full season. His seven grabs tied a career high, and the 70 yards versus Cleveland last week was the second most since 2021's wildcard round. Six of the seven scores versus the Detroit Lions in 2022 have come in the last seven outings, and just two weeks ago, Chicago's Cole Komet scored twice against Detroit. This is a worthwhile risk-reward play, if for no reason but the match itself. Happy Thanksgiving wishes from everyone at The Huddle. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. It's that it's that time in the show where we have to say goodbye to Melvin Gordon. He's been cut by the Broncos, John. It ends a very puzzling, awkward at times situation with Melvin Gordon this season. I think we'll get into it. But you have uh, you had a stat that you threw at me in our pre-show notes that it was just a whopper. Give me the stat. Go ahead. Yeah, every on average, every eighteen carries this season, Melvin Gordon fumbled the ball. So for a running back, that would be like a workhorse getting like 18, 20 carries a game. Melvin Gordon on average fumbled like every game, and it, it didn't pan out that way because he once in a workhorse, he was always split in time. But on average, once every eighteen carries, that is just a terrible, terrible uh, record, especially when you compare it to someone like the Tavius Murray who hasn't fumbled once in like two and a half seasons. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, his ball security was just awful. And uh, Sunday I think was just the last straw, five fumbles this season and they just, they couldn't take it anymore. And I, I think like 
it made sense. Like he just, he's, he got like the fumble yips and he just can't get rid of it. But I think it's on the coaches for continuing to feed him and continue to feed him in key situations. Like I talked about, it was third and one down near the goal line, like a great scoring opportunity. You give it to him again when time and time and time again in key situations he has turned the ball over. And that time he didn't turn the ball over, but it killed momentum and it set the Broncos back. And to, to me, again, like that's the coaches. Like why do you keep giving him opportunities? And like I talked about last week, like why do you feel that he has to have a 50-50 with Latavius Murray? Murray's so good at holding on to the ball. And he like sure, his rushing average is not fantastic, but it's good enough. Like we'll take like three and a half, four yards a carry especially if we got like Chase Edmonds. Now he's hurt, but when Chase Edmonds was available, like he can be the one mixing it in. Like Mike Boone's going to be coming at some point. Like we don't have to have Melvin Gordon be the 1A running or the 1B running back. Like we can make Latavius Murray a workhorse. And now they have to because they cut (laughs) uh, Gordon and Murray's like the last man standing. But I just like – yeah, Gordon, he's got to hang on the ball, but it's on the coaches for continuing to feed him after he kept fumbling over and over. Yeah, I, I think maybe George Payton agrees with you. He's like, okay, I'm going to cut Melvin so you guys stop <laughs> giving him the football. <laughs> All right, this yep. is what we need to do. And and I agree with it. Well, basically everything you just said. Uh, and that's why I said that the situation was kind of awkward. It's It goes right along with your commentary on Gordon and the coaches just continuing to make him the 1A, 1B guy no matter what. He, he it was very awkward like he he kind of acted entitled after the Javante Williams injury right John he was kind of pouting on the sideline when he didn't feel like he was getting his touches he needed that closed door heart-to-heart chat with Nathaniel Hackett in that game I think it was that one of the first games Latavius Murray came in and, and maybe he felt Murray was getting more run than him and he was upset about it or whatever they had the closed door heart-to-heart and then that did something because Hackett would not stop saying that Melvin's the starter every chance he got after that meeting, right? And they kept on acting like he was the guy and giving him enough touches even when it wasn't going well. They they had this thing where they had to like, I don't know, massage his ego or make him happy or what. And it was just always there. And never mind the fact, as you said, John, with that amazing stat, he could not stop fumbling. And it's just at this point, yes, it's the yips. It's not physical it's not anything he's doing wrong. It's mental. He just can't hold on to the football. He needs to figure that out. He needs time away, I think, to figure that out. Hopefully, he could resurrect his career. I don't think he's a bad person or anything. But holy crap, yeah, stop yeah. fumbling the football. The only thing we could celebrate with Melvin Gordon is that he's not fumbling for the fumble six. At least at least the, uh, <laughs> at least the Broncos recovered it, and the Raiders didn't run it back. So, I mean, my gosh. I, I, I understand why they signed him. I wish I ripped the Broncos when they did it, John. I'd, I'd sound a lot smarter, but I wasn't ripping them. We both said, fine, two and a half million, whatever. We can we can deal with Melvin for another year. It's Javante Williams' show anyway. But he was getting way too much touches early in the year, and then it got really nutty when Javante got hurt. And I know it was relatively cheap, but this one turned out to be a fail, right? It just did not work out. It didn't help Hackett at all, having to deal with him and, and keep him happy and give him his touches. And it's just like... I don't think Melvin's a bad guy. He had a really funny tweet that Broncos Wire put out there earlier this week, John. I just I was dying when I saw that. He was in he 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 put himself in. The, I don't know if he should have done this, <laughs> but it's funny. He put himself uh, in OJ's car with the cop cars chasing him and said, "See you later, Denver." or Whatever. It was like it was funny. It was it was a funny tweet. But like, so he's got a good sense of humor. He's probably a good guy. But holy crap, this is addition by subtraction. For, for a head coach that's struggling and does not need any distractions, like Melvin Gordon 
addition by subtraction. We'll be fine with Latavius Murray and now Marlon Mack, right? Marlon Mack, John, a forgotten name out there in the NFL world since he hurt his Achilles a couple of years ago, but he is uh, now the number two running back in Denver, right? Right behind Latavius Murray. He's all the Broncos have. Yeah, by default, he's the number two because Javante Williams, he's out for the year. Mike Boone, he's still on IR. He can, he's eligible to come back next week. I don't know if he'll be healthy to come back next week, but he's eligible to return next week. And then the the uh, fourth string running back had been Marlon Mack. And since he got here about a month ago, he just had been inactive on game days because he was a fourth string running back. But then the Broncos, they cut Melvin Gordon, and then Chase Edmonds got a high ankle sprain. Now he's on injured reserve, and he's out at least four weeks. So the only healthy guys on the active roster is one, Latavius Murray, who I think will be the workhorse, and then two, Marlon Mack, who I think will mix in. And then they they have a young guy on the practice squad who I believe is getting caught up if he wants and already called up from the practice squad. So they've got three bodies there. And uh, I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Murray, probably, which is kind of what we've been asking for because he's so secure with the ball. And like you said, Mac, he's an interesting guy because we were looking it up right before we came on the show a couple years ago in 2019. He had over a thousand rushing yards and he had eight rushing touchdowns the year before that. Nine hundred rushing yards, nine rushing touchdowns. And then he tore his Achilles. And then this last year, the Colts. I don't know if he just was never quite his same self after the injury or what, but they didn't really give him any run in six games last year. And so he's, he kind of had a weird spurt where he was real productive and then an injury and just never quite came back from that. So if he's healthy now, like we've seen in the past, he's been a productive running back. So if he's healthy, he could be a real nice change of pace. So it's going to be interesting to see how the backfield shakes out here in these final games of the season. Yeah. Marlon Mack, uh, you know, he was a name that we all knew. If you if you were into fantasy football, you probably have heard of Marlon oh, Mack yeah. back when he was with the Colts. And then he got that injury, and then he just he really has never come back. He's never really had a chance. I think he's bounced around on different practice squads. Broncos got him off the Niners practice squad. Is that right, John? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they got him off the Niners practice squad, and now he is your number two back behind Latav- Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack are your running backs here. Going into what is it, week eleven or week twelve? Now it's like, whew, man, exactly like we predicted yep. at the beginning yep. of the year. We're we're brilliant. We predicted that, John, at the beginning of the year. Uh, here's another thing you can predict for me: new uniforms. Right, the Broncos sent out a poll to season ticket holders last week. They're looking for input on the new unis. Now, obviously, the the Broncos have been donating some uh, or, or donating some alternate jerseys this season trying to figure out what they want to do with the color scheme. So what are you hearing with fans and what do you like most, John? For me, it's like, I like the, are they keeping the orange? Yeah, one of the questions in the poll was the primary color, blue or orange. And I don't know, like, in-house what they're getting in the results from the season ticket holders, but other people have put similar polls on Twitter and orange is far away the winner. So I think they'll stick with orange. Like, they're not going to, like, do something totally different than what fans are asking for. So I think they're sticking with orange. And I think the biggest thing is, do we go to, like, a throwback look that has, like, kind of a modern spin, or do we just do something, a completely new redesign? And I think, again, based on, like, Twitter polls that fans have done, I think fans want, like, a throwback idea with like a little bit of a modern spin kind of like the color rush like the color rush has some modern stripes but it has the old d logo and it just it has orange pants because it's a color rush so i think fans want white pants 
orange jersey, a D logo, and like a way you can modernize it is like maybe modernize that horse that's in the D logo, but still do that classic D logo. Like Broncos fans love that. So I bet, and it would probably be a couple of years. Like I don't think it would be before 2024. And I think they even said in the email that this is a two-year evaluation process. So if that's true, if it's like a two-year evaluation process, then like a year to make them, we're looking at like three years out from now before they would debut new uniforms. But I definitely think new uniforms are coming. The fact that they're asking fans for input I think is a sign that they're thinking this is a direction they're going to go. Yeah. I'm a big, I like the color rush. I do. I'm a big color rush guy. I think we talked about that. You asked me about this a couple weeks ago. The orange on orange, I think is good with the blue helmet. I like that. The blue on blue, I think is cool too. Now the Broncos have a couple different shades of blue they use, right? Um, so, yeah, there's like the classic light blue, which yeah. I think a lot of fans like Me and too. would like to be like the primary. And then there's the modern navy blue, which is what they're using now. And if they go to a more like classic light blue for the standard, I think they would keep that deeper navy as like an alternate. Like kind of right now when they wear a navy jersey, that's an alternate because orange is the usual. Okay, yeah. So I like that lighter classic blue. Yeah, I love it. So like that that jersey with the orange top the white pants and the classic blue helmet i think that's my favorite i think that's my favorite yep. that looks good I or think- or the color rush color on color but i think the white pants orange jersey classic blue helmet is that's that's a good uniform that looks good i think you nailed it ryan and i think broncos fans are going to be very happy with you because as All an right. impartial person i think you're right in line with the majority of broncos fans okay that's good because i did not see the polls and i just pulled up uh, I just Googled new Broncos jerseys and saw a bunch of pictures and said, Ooh, that's the one I like. <laughs> so there, yep. so there that is another thing fans can do if they want to, you know, continue to be involved with the season other than of course, listening to our podcast, subscribing and, and telling friends, John about it is they can vote for the pro bowl, right? That's open. Now uh, we've talked about Pat Sertan being the mid season MVP for the Broncos. So uh, obviously he's, he's our guy. I would vote for Pat Sertan to make the pro bowl for sure. I think he's one of the best corners of football. Uh, but anyone else, <laughs> is there anyone else, John, that fans could vote for, for the Broncos, man, I'm really stretching here. No one's popping up. No one's really coming to mind. Unfortunately, what do you think? Yeah, no one on offense. And that's just a consequence of the offense being so terrible. And on defense, like Draymond Jones, he's had a good season, but he's only like maybe top 10 among AFC defensive ends. And like, that's not going to be enough to get the Pro Bowl and and sacks. I mean, and like uh, Bradley Chubb's gone. Randy Gregory's been hurt for most of the year. Baron Browning looks promising, but he missed a ton of time. Justin Simmons, I still think he's one of the better safeties in the NFL, but he's missed a ton of time with injuries. Yeah, so injuries, I don't think yep. like uh, an average NFL fan, I don't think they're going to vote for Justin Simmons when they see his numbers because of how much time he's missed. So really, like you said, the only guy that is like, oh yeah, he should make the Pro Bowl, it's Pat Sertan. And hopefully he will. Like a lot of times when a team is really bad, they get overlooked by average NFL fans, which is understandable, but you can have star players on bad teams like Pat Sertan. He's a star on a bad team. He deserves Pro Bowl. I think he even deserves all Pro. We'll see if he gets that, but it would be a real shame if the if the Broncos season uh, hurts Sertan so much that he doesn't even get an invite to the Pro Bowl. Hopefully he will. So like you said, go make sure you, even if you're mad at the Broncos and don't want to vote for the other players, at least cast a ballot for Sertan. There you go. That's what we're going for this this playoff season is the Pro Bowl. 
That's what we're all about here for the Broncos. It's just it'll sorry. be a win for the Broncos. Get one yeah. guy to the pro. Yeah, Bowl. it's just it's just I keep coming. It's just painful where we're at. Like this is what we this is what we have to do. But yeah, I agree. Go vote for Pat Sertan. He he deserves a Pro Bowl. Uh, and and I'm sure uh, that would be fun. It's not even a game anymore, right, John? It's like a skills competition. Are they doing that this year? Yeah, yeah. they are doing like a flag football game, which okay. that will be kind of interesting. But it, it was like a bunch of different skills competitions. So I think it will be interesting. I think it was a good decision because it was already like a touch game. So making it flag at least makes it like more of a, a real game. Yeah, last year's game was really awkward because you could, you know, you could bet on the game. So you could place a little wager, a legal wager on that game, and then they're not tackling each other, and it's just kind of weird, letting each other run around and score. And it's like, all right, what? Why would? Why would I? You're really a degenerate if you place the bet on it. Not that I did, John. Okay, I did. What yeah, gonna I was. Gonna <laughs> I say, was really I bored think, that Sunday. I don't think you should be wagering on a Pro Bowl, regardless. <laughs> yeah, of if maybe a degenerate bet. But speaking of that, uh, who's betting on the Broncos Panthers game? That's another degenerate bet. Like could you, you could bet on Broncos Panthers or the Pro Bowl, uh, as you expertly put in our show notes john this could be a battle for the number two overall pick but that's the seahawks pick not the broncos unfortunately uh but here's something like the broncos have been favored more often than not it seems this year right for a season that's been such you know so such a struggle the broncos have been a favorite quite a bit right and they're favored again in this game at two and a half so uh but you know obviously two of the the worst teams in the nfl two draft slots that'll be up among the top in, in the 2023 draft What's your take on Denver Panthers, John? What's your gut feeling on this one? Yeah, as you said, they've been favored in a lot of games, and I think that's because they've had a lot of winnable games, and it's reflected in the score, too. All but one of their losses was a one-score loss. And I think that just shows they don't know how to win. Like, they can't close out a game. I don't know if that's primarily on coaching or the players having a bad mentality or a combination, but they're just – they have these winnable games – and they've not been able to pull it out time after time. And again, the Panthers on paper, this is a super winnable game. And they're even two and a half point favorites. But I can't like I feel bad for saying the same thing over and over basically every week. But I can't confidently pick the Broncos like I can't back them to win this game. And I, I also am not going to feel confident about the Panthers either. Like it's two bad teams. I'm not confident in either one of them. And the Panthers, they do have some playmakers on defense. So that makes me worried uh, about the Broncos' own offense. And then also the Panthers on offense, they don't have Christian McCaffrey anymore. Now they're starting Sam Darnold this week. The Broncos' defense is great. So maybe like the one thing is like the underline, it's pretty low. But even with it, I don't know it off the top of my head. I think it's only like 38 and a half or somewhere thereabouts. It's down to 36. Yeah, it's down to 36, John, as we speak. Maybe that even is a little bit too low. low. But like, I can't confidently pick the Broncos this one. And I'm not either confident super in the Panthers. I just, I would avoid this game because it's such a mess of a game. Like you could see it going all kinds of different ways. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I think, you know, if you forced me to make a pick, I'd take the Broncos because... Like Sam Darnold, come on, man. <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't played all year, and the Broncos are at least like they at least got a little something going last week. And yeah, you would think your defense could dominate this game. I mean, I have the Broncos in fantasy, so I'm I'm really expecting a huge game from my defense this week going against Sam Darnold. Oh, like I'm, I'm licking my chops. Yeah, yeah. At home against this team, I'm licking my chops. I'm licking my chops. So two and a half points, man. It seems like a lot of points for the Broncos to be able to cover. And again, for some reason, they can't get to eighteen. They just can't, no matter what. It's so weird. But like, 
maybe this is a game where the Broncos can just, they could just shut down Carolina. Cause I agree with you. The, the defense on Carolina is decent. The offense still isn't very good. And whether they're marching out Baker Mayfield or PJ Walker, or now Sam Darnold, <laughs> Sam Darnold, come on. So uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think I'd take the Broncos, but the fact that we are even like kind of not feeling great about it, John, just again, yeah, it's tells a us where reflection we're at. of how bad it is. Absolutely. But here's, here's the real question, John. What's going on for Thanksgiving with you? You're going to get a chance to hang out with some family, right? Because this game is not till Sunday, thank God. And uh, you can, you know, hang out with some family, get some Thanksgiving going. What's going on there? What, what what food What food do you look forward to the most? Let's let's put it that way. What food do you look forward to the most on Thanksgiving? Oh man, I I like turkey. I like stuffing. I like mashed potatoes. I like I like a lot of oh, so you're Thanksgiving basic. food. You're we basic. Kinda, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, we had. Um, a bunch of family in town last weekend, we had a surprise party for my dad. And then because so many fam, uh, siblings were in town, we did like a uh, immediate family Thanksgiving last weekend. And then this weekend on uh, actual Thanksgiving, we're doing like uh, going to an extended family for the siblings that can. Uh, so it'll be fun to be with some extended family. And I'm sure we'll have the NFL games up. And I actually am going to see if I can watch some World Cup games as well. So yeah. it will be a very sporty day good food like usual and a lot of family like usual so should be a fun time how how are you going to be doing ryan yeah you know last year was weird because my my son was born in october last year and he was really young right couple like less than two months old uh last thanksgiving so we didn't do anything we just stayed home uh we just didn't feel like bringing our newborn in front of a bunch of people uh even if they're family members like it's just like my dad has this big like kegger for Thanksgiving every year. It's like ridiculous. He has kegs and he deep fries one turkey. He bakes two more. It's like just insane, John. It's just over the top. Uh, typical O'Leary Thanksgiving uh, for my family and, and everybody comes and it's just like a big party. And it was just like last year we were like, mm, nope, we're thinking better of this. We're just not doing this. <laughs> and we stayed home and I cooked a little bit. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to get back into the tradition a little bit more. My son's now you know, walking around like a little toddler. So he's a madman and uh, we can bring him for his first big Thanksgiving bash. We'll be over at my dad's nice. house. He has an 82 inch TV. So oh, nice. there'll be football on. I think all the games are kind of interesting this year. Oh, yeah. So, and then, you know, we're all Patriots fans. So uh, we have the Patriots game oh, against the Vikings. If I could stay awake uh, again, I have, <laughs> I have a one year old and I'm going to be eating a lot of food and there's going to be kegs. So can I can I stay awake, John, for kickoff of Patriots Vikings? I don't know. I don't know. So that's that's the real question here. Can I make it to can I make it to halftime? So we'll we'll find out yeah, before I'm snoozing be on the couch. Yeah, yeah. And never mind. I'm going to stay at my dad's and watch the game. My brother will be in town. Uh, he lives out in Austin, Texas now. So we'll all be together, which will be fun. And uh, my dad will have a fire in the wood stove, and I'll be struggling to keep it together at halftime. I think I'll be drinking coffee, trying to stay awake for that game. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of what it is, but it should be great, man. I, I wish you and the family, nothing but the best this Thanksgiving, man. And, and as, as you said, off the jump, it is uh it is a pleasure to keep doing these shows every week, even though the Broncos aren't giving us the season that we were hoping for. It's still been a blast. Yeah. You too, Ryan. I hope you have a great time with your family. That sounds like that will be a great time. And, and like I said, I enjoy doing these with these with you and I appreciate uh, how good of a job you do with them. And I appreciate Broncos fans that listen to them. Yeah. Well, John, John's always the brainchild behind all the topics. So got to give yourself some credit there too, John. 
Uh, but yeah, I always feel better after the show. I get, I just get to rant, and that's one of my favorite things to do: ranting about football. I love doing it, and, and Nathaniel Hackett gives me something to rant about every single week. So I get to, I get to write my rant, look at it before the show, and then just go. Um, and it's usually, you know, I usually feel better after the fact. So thank you, Nathaniel Hackett. I'm thankful, thankful for you as well. I guess. <laughs> Uh, but you know, thankful for everyone still listening to the show and who subscribe and, uh, you know, certainly that's, that's the case as well. We appreciate you all. And we will be back next week, win or lose to break down Broncos Panthers for John Heath. I'm Ryan O'Leary. We'll catch you then. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.